Let us turn our Bibles and continue in 1 Samuel. Now we move to chapter 4 of 1 Samuel. Chapter 4 of 1 Samuel. Now here we see the battle between the Philistines and the children of Israel. And we saw how, well, in the first engagement, they lost 4,000 people. And how they quickly went to get the ark of the Lord, of hosts. And they thought that they would now win the war because God is with them. But lo and behold, they lost even more in verse 10. All right, 30,000 people this time were slain. Now the children of Israel thought that God was with them from the beginning. From the beginning, look at verse, look at chapter 4, um, verse 2. Oh, sorry, verse 3. Now they say, they, when they lost, the elders of the camp, now they say, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? So they thought they went with the Lord. But then they said, what happened? They understood that they will never lose to the Philistines. And when they lose, it is because of the Lord's doing. They understood that. So we thought we were with the Lord. So they thought we went with the Lord, but yet they lost. The Lord was not with us. Then they suddenly remember, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Look at um, verse, verse, verse 3. Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh. So, ah, let's go get the Ark. Then they brought the Ark among them and they, they rejoiced. They went out to battle shouting and screaming. The Lord is with us this time. But sadly, it was not so. Well, the title today is, Is God really with you and me? Is God really with you? They thought God was with them. They seem to have done all the right things. Now, what was the problem? What was the ark? What was the ark? Remember when we studied uh, the book of Exodus in Exodus 25? That is where it was introduced, where Moses was commanded by God to make an ark, right? Make an ark out of acacia wood. It was about 1.1 meter um, uh, long, um, 0.7 meter wide, 0.7 meter deep, all right? Not a very big item. It was gold-plated, and inside it, the book of Hebrews also tells us that there was, well, the Ten Commandments, the tablets, the two tablets. There was Aaron's budding rod. There was the pot of manna, all right? So these three items was mentioned in the book of, of Hebrews. Well, later on, it seems in First Kings, only the Ten Commandments were mentioned. What happened to the rest, we are not told. We are not told. But this ark had a cover that was made um, of gold and it's called the mercy seat. We often sing the hymn, mercy seat, all right? Now, what is this about? That is where we saw we, that God told them, you will build these two, you will, you will carve these two golden angels, all right? With wings extended towards each other, facing each other, covering the mercy seat, outspread wings. Now, we saw all this. And also in Exodus 25, God explained this. Now, please remember one thing. In the Ten Commandments, they were told not to make any graven images of things above and below. But here is a commandment from God. God said, make this. You're allowed to. And it's for a very specific purpose. So we can't go around and make our own um, um, symbols, all right? This was specifically given to them. Today, we don't have that. So we must be clear about that. Now, it symbolized God's presence with Israel. That is what it was. That's why at this point, say, ah, go get the ark, go get the ark. God will be with us. Because they, they associated with what they were taught. But what they associate, their association was wrong. Whenever the ark went, um, the people went, it's to follow the Lord, right? It's basically, the ark was a symbol of his presence. Listen carefully. God made it clear to them, this ark is a symbol of my presence. God is infinite. Infinite means he is outside everything. Everything is in front of him. 
How can he squeeze himself into an ark? But it was to represent his presence. Remember that. Moses knew the importance of the Lord's presence. In fact, when um, the Lord says, well, you know, go, I will send an angel with you all, Moses refused to move. Moses said, no, no, no. We will not go into the promised land if you do not go personally with us. You see, Moses understood the presence of God is so important in the life of his people. An angel, as we always say, is an extremely poor substitute for the presence of God. So the presence of God was so important. Moses understood that. Now, but Israel's error was this. They were superstitious. They became superstitious. Especially it's seen in the second battle. Now, instead of turning to the Lord for help, they turned to the ark. That was their problem. The ark represented the presence of the Lord. But it was not. It was not the Lord. That is where they have, how, how far they have degenerated. Now, in fact, they've degenerated so far that they thought that the presence of a religious object was the assurance of the presence of deity. That was their problem. And they became exactly like, well, the Philistines. Now, if you look, if you look, what the Philistines said, all right? Now, in verse, um, verse 7, when the Philistines, basically, when they saw and the, when they knew about the ark coming among them, and the people were shouting, said, God is come into the camp. All right? Say, war unto us. You see, they thought, ah, we can win them, but if that object is among them, because they're idolaters, that object is among them, then God is with them. Now, in fact, look at verse 8. You see, they say, Woe unto us who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods. They associated a physical item with gods. You know why it's translated as gods in capital G, right? Because the, the Hebrew word for God is simply Elohim, right? Elohim is actually the plural of gods, but it's used for the living God. So there is their religious concept, gods. So they say the gods. Now these are the gods that smoke the Egyptians. So they always thought that it was, well, that ark and their gods in the ark that did all these things. And Israel took that kind of thinking into their lives. They became so influenced. They became superstitious. They became thinking that an item... Something is the presence of God. They assumed that the past reality also, the past reality was the presence of God because the form is present. I want to say that again. Look at verse, look at verse, um, look at verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. The earth rang again. Now, what is this saying? When they brought the ark among them, they shouted so loudly. They thought, now this form is here. And they went back to their old um, zeal and excitement and like, as if they're so strong. They walked in them and they shouted like they used to. They used to. The earth rang again. That's how loudly they shouted, how greatly they jumped again. So they thought, now this form is here then our past experiences of God being with us is a reality now, is present now. That is the other problem. So there are two big problems. One, they associated that thing, that symbol which God did give to them as God. The other is they thought is, if this symbol is among us, then we will be like last time. We actually have the presence of God. Now, today, this is also very common among us, among Christians. Well, God, what are the errors? Number one, God is in religious items. God is in symbols, all right? Well, it's very common, and we have to ask ourselves, do we have that problem? Well, what are some of these symbols? Crosses, crosses, 
right? So Christian, if you wear a cross, please don't ever think, well, you buy a cross for your child. Don't, don't worry. When you go to school, you wear a cross. Don't worry. When you go for your, ch- your school outings, wear a cross. God will be there to protect you. Don't ever plant that in their minds. Don't ever have that in your mind. You see, many of us used to come from um, idolatrous background. We carry that kind of idea into our life where we carry little um, charms, little emblems. Well, the Roman Catholics are very well known for that. Emblems, all right, of saying what and saying what. They hang it in their car or they hang a cross in their house. Well, Christians do that today. They say, better put the cross right in front of the door. Why? Because then, the, then evil spirits cannot come in because they look and they say, immediately they see the cross. You see, Christians today still believe in that, especially the older generation. I won't be surprised. The newer ones, well, you have different things. Well, the Roman Catholics, they have holy water. They have rosaries, all right? So when they are afraid or when they're strong, they quickly take out their rosary, that beaded thing, and then they go around, go around, and they think that thing protects them. God is present if I have this thing, and I chant something. This is called the sin of substitution. That is what Israel was guilty of. God is substituted with something. That was their whole problem. So then do you have these things? Hmm? A special pen? Special pencil? So you must bring this one. This is the one that always helped me right, to get good marks that I can remember. Maybe some special clothes. Hmm? I have friends during exam, they wear the same shirt throughout. Why? They say, this is the special shirt, right? Or special dress. This, somehow when I wear this, God helps me. My God helps me. Now, we also can have this kind of idea where the symbol has taken over God. Make sure that we don't have that. Number, it's easy to say, well, all these things, right? All these things. Yeah, we are not like that, right? The message can end now. Is it true? Is it true? Now, we have to go further. How can we also have this? Because remember, they trusted in something, but also they trusted in some religious act. Please look at this. Look at verse 3. The elders, what did the elders say? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that it, may, that it cometh among us and it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Now, look at the repeated it. Look at here. Now, that when it cometh, it may save us. It was it. They didn't even think about the Lord will save us, but it. It revealed their hearts. In fact, it revealed it so, so clearly the Lord actually punished them. Right? 4,000, then 30,000. That was their heart. It. Symbols, symbols. But they say, let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh. Do something religious. Shiloh was about 30 kilometers away. Travel all the way there. Go all the way there. Have your, well, some people think some religious pilgrimage. Go to Israel, all right, whatever it is. Something holy, something special will happen to you. Well, travel far and, and, and well, go among, go to the priest. Bring it some religious act. Sometimes we think that if I travel and we do um, something that, is, that brings trouble, difficulty to us, well, this religious act will ensure me of God's presence. You see, they trusted not only in, in symbols, they trusted in activities. In activities. Well, when I was a Roman Catholic, I go into church, I have to take the holy water, dip it, and then put it, do across all these activities. And then kneel how many times and all that kind of thing. Some religious act then, well, God now is present with me. That kind of thought. So you say, yeah, yeah, we know all those are wrong, but I want to ask you today. Remember, it's symbols and activities. Do we have that in our life? And then we end up thinking God is with us. Let me give you some thoughts. Now, we quickly recognize the problems with, well, other systems, the idolatrous systems, But we must realize that these 10 verses is a very sobering check, a faith check for ourselves. Do you have this idea? Let me ask you. Um, Some religious act will automatically bring God's presence and God's help. 
Students, I ask you this. You come to church for Bible studies, you come for prayer meeting, and then often you ask, even for adults, right? You often ask, well, please pray that God will help me with my studies this week, help me finish my projects, help me with this test. And then you say, so that, so that I can come to church. Hmm? So that I can come to church. For the adults, well, so that, um, please pray, so that God will help me with my work so that I can come to church. Heal me of my illness and my family so that I can come to church. Now, when we say that, so that is a good thing to help us remember why we ask anything from God. But I think we really have to ask ourselves, now, are we now, are we now thinking that coming to church, coming for Bible studies, is something that will assure us of God's help? Because sometimes we can deceive ourselves. Just because we say so that, or just like when you pray in Jesus' name, you think that's a mantra that God now will definitely help you. We can associate these things in our heart. I said in Jesus' name. I said, I said the right thing so that God will help me to come to church. But is it really you wanting to seek God? Or, or is it something that you think, if I say that, God will help me? Now, that's a very dangerous thought that I hope that we awaken to that. Now, if some of us may have this experience and hope none of us is still like that, I better... I better, serve, I better go to church today because it's a difficult work in school or difficult week in school, difficult week at the workplace. I better go to church. You wake up in the morning, you are very tired, you don't feel like reading the Bible. I better, I better read the Bible. I better say some prayers because I need God's help at work today. I need God's help in my uh, medical appointment today. I need, I need God's help in my um, work problems today, my family problems today. So I better do this so that God will help me. That was how they thought. We better do this, this act, and have this symbol to us, our ark, our ark, maybe the reading of the Bible, maybe um, the prayer time, maybe coming to church, maybe family worship, we think that these things will assure us of God's presence. Now, please do not misunderstand me, and I want to make this abundantly clear. These things are not evil. These things are not good, are not, are not bad. We must do these things. These are the things that God tells us to do. God did tell them to make the ark. God did tell them to think of the ark and remember, all right? But you can have all these things like them. But the problem is this. You associate that activity or that thing as something that means God is present with you and God will help you. So don't ever fall into this error that they fell into. Just because you've done your quiet time, just because you've done your reading of the Bible, God should help you and God should be present with you through the day. You must do those things with a consciousness. All right, We see um, that later on. So those can be present in our lives. Not even worship today, the Holy Communion. How do you view the Holy Communion? There are some who love to take the Holy Communion. In fact, I listened to a message um, preached by Joseph Prince to an audience that as far as you, your eyes can see is thousands and thousands of people. And he kept emphasizing, take the Holy Communion if you want to be healthy. Right? And he explained you say, my child, when he's sick, right? when I reach home, you know, they, they sell Holy Communion um, for, for people to buy home, right? Um, when I reach home, we'll see Holy Communion peeled everywhere, strewn everywhere in the house because the kid keep eating, because the kid was sick. Now, he has, he has degenerated to that, and he promotes that. He said, eat more, buy more, eat more. God in, this, in those things that will give you strength. God is present and will help you in your work, in your exams, in your health. I hope none of us have this concept. Of course, these elements, when we are conducting it, they are supposed to be something that is sacred. Sacred not because these things have become something special, but it's always our understanding and our connection with God. That is what is sacred. Well, what about when you go through worship, the order of worship? 
do you have this kind of religious association to an, an act? An act. What I mean? Well, when we sing, the Lord is in his holy temple. It's just all order of service, a ritual. That is all. The Lord is in his holy temple um, and let all the earth keep silence um, and let all the earth keep silence before him and, we, and it's repeated. But there's no reality in our heart. Truly, the Lord is in our midst and it's a holy ground in that sense. And let us keep silent. In other words, let us be very serious. Oh, is it just a ritual? You just go through it. Did you even realize you sang it today? That is what we can fall into. That act, now God is with us. All right? Glory be to the Father and to the Son and the Holy Ghost and so on. Now, all this can become rituals. In the end, we sing, well, praise God from, well, we sing, praise God from whom all blessings were. We sing, the Lord bless you and keep you. Wow, after we sing that, we receive blessings and then we go off. You see, we, we think of, of all these religious acts as God being with us and God will help us and God will bless us. That was the problem in Israel. I'm not saying worship is bad. I'm not saying we should not have this, this um, order and so on. These are symbols. These are acts that are biblical. The, 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 the ark was given. It is what God gave to them, all right? It was supposed to be meaningful, but they turned it into something else. Now, maybe you think that by coming to church, you are saved. God is with you, and you will go to heaven. Maybe you think that by doing something for, for God, um, God is now happy with you, and he will save you. Maybe you think that once in a while, I go to church, well, I, I believe in this Christian God, so special seasons, Christmas and so on, I go to church. Well, I should be all right. He should be with me. He will help me. Don't have this idea. That is, God was so angry with them that first it was 4,000 and God had to teach them, you still don't learn. You still don't learn. The next one was 30,000. Very painful lesson. Serious lesson. God does care a lot about how we think how we approach these things. Please remember that. It, it matters to God that we understand why we are doing these things, why we have these things in our life. Otherwise, we fall into this error. Now, what is another error? So the first one, we can have these things. Don't look at the Roman Catholics and the heathen and say, yeah, so superstitious. We can have this in our life as well. Now, the other problem in their thought was this. God exists to help me. God's presence is to help me. Will you have God's presence? Let me ask you. Is God really with you? Well, it depends on what are your thoughts when you say, I, I, I want God's presence with me. Now, look at how they put it. Look at how they put it. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Now, not only in a, they put their trust in a religious symbol, they put their trust in religious acts. Now, then it says, when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Now, it revealed a lot again why God was so upset with them. It was us, save us out of the hand of our enemies. Now, they were just wanting God's presence to relieve them. Relieve them of what? Now, if you look at verse 9, be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye may not be servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. As they have been to you. So all this while, up to this point, the, the Hebrews, the children of Israel, they were still under oppression of the Philistines. They were servants to the Philistines because of their sin in the past. They remain so. All right? Samson... The last judge, well, did something, but it looks like after that, they were still under the Philistines, at least for the next 20 years. They just wanted to get out of this oppression. That is all. They wanted to be freed of this discomfort, this shame, this trouble in their life. That is all. Was it wrong to fight the Philistines? No. 
God has always told them, you should have chased them out of the land long time ago. It is not wrong. You see, some things that we do is not wrong. But the question is, why are we doing it? For them, it was just for their benefit. That is all. See, that's the other problem that we can fall into. Why are you seeking God? Why do you pray? God, please be with me today. God, please be, please be with my family, my children today. God, please be with our church. Why do we pray that? Their problem of why they want God's presence and then as a result why God was not present with them was exactly this problem. They thought that God was in a box and that box, the God in that box is their genie. You know genie? Genie in a bottle? That, that, that fable that unbelievers like to make a story out of? God is a genie in a bottle for us as well. God is my genie in my Bible reading. God is my genie in my prayer. God is my genie in my church attendance. God is my genie in my, um, in my um, serving God. Now, I hope none of us ever say this. Well, you know, I better serve God um, because I'm sick. And uh, if I serve God, at least God will help me. God will take care of my health. Don't ever serve God because of that. We are all supposed to serve God. We are all saved to serve Him. But don't ever come to church because I hope that by coming to church, my health problems, my financial problems, my job problems, my family problems will become better. Because I go, I think God is there. God will hear me. God will help me. God will follow me home. That kind of idea. That was Israel. That is how they have degenerated too. Now, in fact, they were supposed to show the Philistines, show the rest of the world that it is God, not some symbol, not some idol. Because the rest of the world worship idols and they think that by carrying their idols around, these idols will help them. And they did exactly what they were not supposed to do to paint that kind of picture to unbelievers. It was very sad that they've come to that stage. But I say again, is it very sad in our life? Is God not with us? Because that is our very low concept of God. That God exists in some activity, in some symbol, and He exists for me to turn to Him and He must help me. I live for that. I seek God. I seek God's presence so that it may save me out of my troubles, right? So these were the problems in their life. My friends, I hope that you turn to God not simply, all right? God saved me from hell. God saved me from hell. But God saved me that I may. I may live for you. I may serve you who are the living God. That's so wonderful. Nothing else more wonderful than from, for that. So save me out of hell so that I can do that. We have to understand salvation. Now, what are some problems and what can we do to change this problem in our lives? Now, like I said in the beginning, this 10 verses is a sobering faith check for ourselves. What has been your concept? What has been your thinking, your feeling about God and why you seek His presence? That is very important. Your, your attitude, your thought, process your emotions what is it because if it's not right there will be a lot of problems and a lot of errors well first problem is this now you can foolishly find comfort in outward semblances you will find you will think that you will find comfort in outward semblances now christian Sometimes we appease our conscience by church attendance, by some religious acts, like reading the Bible prayer and so on. And we think that because we do these things, well, our spiritual state and our closeness to God is there because I have done it. I'm very regular in church, so God must be close to me. Now, I want to emphasize again, please don't say later that, well, then that is, going to church is no use. The ark was useful, all right? that they had the ark with them was God's intention. 
There are things that God says in your life you must do. It's, I built them, I created them, I invented them for your benefit spiritually. All right? I'm not saying then we don't read the Bible, we don't pray, we don't go to church. Now back to this. False feeling that I am spiritual, I am close with God, God is with my family because I have these things in my life. Now I want you to look at verse, verse, verse 5. Israel shouted with a great shout so that all the earth rang again. Now like, like I said earlier on, Sometimes we think, now, you know this contemporary worship style? Lots of shouting, dancing, screaming, excitement, working themselves up. Now, they think that, or rather I would say they mistake that emotion, that enthusiasm with the presence of God then. They go away feeling that I met with God. This kind of boring worship do you meet with God or not? You go away feeling still the same thing, you know, body's not loosened up, excited, no experience with God. Don't mistake these things and feel good that I, I met with God. But I also want to say the other extreme. Don't mean soberness, all right, like us. Sober, reverend, doesn't mean that it is, also means that you have met with God, the closeness of God. As long as you just do something as this thing means it has made me close to God and God is close with me. Now that is wrong. That is wrong. We'll see what, is, what we should do and how should we think later on, right? Now of course, the other error is this. Well, I've said before we think or rather, we remember the ark. Like them, all right, them. They, they thought of the ark of the covenant. But they did not, but they forgot the Lord of the covenant. I want to say that again carefully. They were thinking of, they were engaging with the ark of the Lord of the covenant, all right? the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts. But they forgot the Lord. Today, we can engage with the Word of God. A lot of it, FEBC courses, Bible studies. We can engage in prayer, come to church and pray as well. We can read the Word of the Lord. But again, the problem is we can forget the Lord of the Word. That was Israel's problem. So Christian, I, I hope that we do examine ourselves. Now the question is this. What should we do? What should we do? Now I've said this many times. My greatest concern for BPCWA has always been this. That we have much of the word of the Lord in our hearts, or rather in our, in our lives. You are taking FEBC courses, you are doing DHW, Dickie's Word, you are coming for Bible studies, you are doing homework for Dickie's Word. You have so much of the word of God in your life. And also, well, you dress modestly, all right? All this outward thing. You have the word. You, you, you know the word. You can defend the word. You can explain to many of your friends their errors and what is the right interpretation. A lot of that. Soundness. You also dress differently from, from them. All of you are modest. Well, you are, you are reverential. We have all the outward form. And please don't misunderstand me. I want to emphasize this again. The outward form is not evil. We are supposed to have these things in our lives. But like we learned at prayer meeting, one of the last characteristics that we learned about sins of perilous times that will plague the church, be among Christians, in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is lovers, oh sorry, is the, having the form 
of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Remember that? This is what it is. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Please remember the word thereof. Form of godliness is not evil. God expects us to be light. Lights must have the form of godliness, right? But they deny the power thereof. What is thereof? Thereof refers to the form. These forms are supposed to have power, but it was just forms, that's all. They deny the power, meaning to say they reject the work of God when they go through this form, the, work, the intention of God that will give them true godliness, true power. They, they reject it or they ignore it. They became superstitious like these people. They just thought the form itself is going to give me power. That is what they thought. And that is what I think and I fear that this church can very easily fall into. I thank God, I praise God that you, are, you love the Word of God, you study it, you're very keen to know it. You come for prayer meeting, you, go, you have all those things in your life, wonderful, you have family worship, that is good. You have your quiet time, you're serious about it. Some of you, I understand, you group together and you're going through Bible reading through the year. Now, all these are good forms. So I don't discourage you. I, I don't speak evil about it. God was not angry that they thought of the ark, but they forgot what it was about. That's the problem. So Christian, now we ask ourselves, now how, Lord, how can I prevent myself? How can we prevent the church going down that road one day where your children grow up having all the forms, decent, carry a Bible, you know, well-groomed, um, um, modest, don't go there, don't do this, reading the Bible, can quote the Bible and everything. But actually, they do not have the presence of God or neither do you. How? What should we do? Well, first thing we learn from this passage. Now look at verse 4. Verse 4. Now I want you to notice, they said, now bring thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there. Now, I want you to notice a few things. First, God was very sarcastic to them. God says, well, the ark which dwelt between the cherubims and the and they say, and the two sons of Eli, the sons of Belial, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. This was something that God had it recorded to mock them. They say, well, God, the ark between the cherubims. Now, the cherubims would represent the holy angels of God. Very holy, very pure. All right, living in the presence of the living God. And they say, in the presence there also was Hophni and Phinehas. So what? So what if the ark is there? So is Hophni and Phinehas there? Did it make any change? Sometimes I think that is what we need to ask ourselves. So what if I have all these things in my life? What about my life? I think that these things means wonderful, but what is happening in your personal life? What is happening in your family? So what if you have family worship? So what if you come to church with your family? So what if you, if you are single and you are very consistent in reading the Word of God? I have this thing. So what? Hophni and Phinehas was also there. They also have the ark with them. But God was obviously not with them. In fact, God was going to judge them. That's number one. Now, so what must I do? I want to focus on how God describes the ark. Look at verse 4. The first part. Now, it says, the ark, um, the ark of the covenant. Ark of the covenant. So the first thing we must learn is this. What was the covenant? God did not say it's the ark of the Lord, but ark of the covenant of the Lord. Constantly, ark of the covenant. And the covenant reminds the children of Israel that they are in a very, very privileged, special relationship with God. No nation was in covenant with God. 
God chose Israel to be in covenant with him. The ark was supposed to remind them of the covenant that they have. They are a privileged people who knows God. I say that again. They are privileged people who knows God. In fact, the, truth, the other nations will say in Deuteronomy, who, who, is, who, is this, who are these people who have God so close to them? They don't have a God that is so close to them. The covenant. The ark of the covenant was to tell them, I, I chose you and I made you my people. In other words, they, God is their greatest treasure. Please remember that whenever you think of I'm in covenant with God, means God is my greatest, I mean this great privilege, having God as my treasure. Not the ark, the golden ark was not the treasure, it was God was their treasure. So whenever you think I am a covenantal child of God, I'm in covenant with God. Now, it, it emphasizes your relationship and your fellowship with God. So what should we do? What should we do? Now, all the scriptures, all the laws, all the practices, all the revelation that God gave to Israel was because he was in covenant with them and it was him revealing himself to them and have, so that they know that this reflects who he is. And then for them to have this close, intimate fellowship with them. All the symbols, all those religious ceremonies were to do one thing. You are in covenant with me. We are close we, and I will help you to, to do what I purpose for you. I chose you. You are precious. You are my treasure. All right? Peculiar people. A treasure of God. That is what it means. So it's the treasure between God and man. That is the covenant. So once we understand that ark of the covenant, then we understand how we should live. Now, friends, it means this. Yes, definitely do your quiet time. Definitely pray in private. Definitely come to study the Word. Definitely keep studying the Word. Definitely come and pray for the kingdom of God. Surely carry on with all these things. But all these things must be done with the key purpose of engaging in a personal relationship with God. Engaging in a very close fellowship with God. Is that so in our life? We must not wake up and say, well, I better do my quiet time because it's something I have to do before I go to work. Oh, I didn't do it today. I think I better catch up. Oh, I didn't do it today. I feel so guilty. I feel so bad. Why do you feel guilty? Why do you feel bad? Is it because you did not do some religious activity? When you read the Bible, before you start to read the Bible, you pray, Lord, show me more of yourself. In fact, the Lord of hosts is to show them the glory and the greatness of God. His holiness is, is represented by the angels closing themselves, their wings before him, stretching out and really just covering his holiness. God, when I read the Bible today, when you wake up, it's not God, I, I need to get this done. It's God, the moment we open our eyes, Lord, can you show me more of you? When you take your FABC course, God, I want to know more about you. Today we sang more, more, more about Jesus would I know. You pray, Lord, tell me, how do you want me to live? I want to please you. I am in a relationship with you, Lord. I want to have a close fellowship. I don't want any sin that would mar and break my fellowship with you. Lord, I want you. It's not, Lord, I want to finish my quiet time. When you study the Bible, which is why we encourage you to take FEBC course, the only way you can read the Bible and draw close to God and really have a real fellowship with God is you know the Word of God. When your, when your foundation is not strong, you read, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't read anymore. How many of you have said again and again that you are thankful that you continue to take FEBC courses, you continue to come to Bible studies in church, you continue to do His Word, you put in all the effort. When your foundation is wrong, when you read the Bible, there's so much joy. I understand what God is saying here now. I understand what this is about. I can see the meaning and I can see God. That is why you study. That is why you read the Bible. My great fear, my friends, is truly this. We have so much hate knowledge. We can defend so many kinds of doctrines. We can explain the Word of God so clearly. But we don't actually have an intimate 
knowledge and fellowship with God. Before you read the Bible, ask God to open your eyes to see Him. His glory, His beauty, His holiness, His greatness. Before you pray, or when you pray, don't think of it as an activity you need to finish for the day. It's just religious. And if I've prayed, God should be near me today. Don't think like that anymore. God, I am in covenant with you. My prayer is to commune with you. I really want to have a real closeness with you. Not, I've said this, I've gone through this list. But God, I want to meet with you in the place of prayer. Would you meet with me? That when I leave the place of prayer, I know, I know in my heart that I've, I've spoken with you. I've really spoken with you. Not spoken to my pillow. So that is what Israel failed in. They saw that thing. They saw the activity as, as God. That is it. Now marriage is a covenant. Don't you think it's very sad when your marriage is just about two persons living together, subsisting, you do things together, there is no intimacy of heart, of fellowship. You say, I don't ever want to have a marriage like that. But we don't think. We are in covenant with God. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. The emphasis was not the Ark, it was the covenant. So Christian, we must now say, Lord, I have enough of this religious thing in my life. I'm not saying stop, man. Eh? I have enough of this religious thing in my life without a true engagement with you. Please read the Word of God. Please study the Word of God always with that in your heart. Please pray always with a deep desire, Lord, meet with me. Not I have said my prayers. Right? When you pray the Tuesday night prayer items, it's the same thing. It's a true engagement with God. So first, that. All right? Then we see. In verse 4, um, that dwelleth between, uh, sorry, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. What is it to, rem to remind them? The Lord of hosts always signifies God pow God's power, all right? God's greatness, God's glory. The Lord of hosts, the whole host of heaven. He stands right up there. Now then, always read the word of God with that desire. Lord, let me see your glory. Not, Lord, what can you show me today that will help me out of this problem? That What shall I do with this problem? Lord, show me. You, show me you being the Lord of hosts. Moses desired so much to see the glory of God because he knew that if he saw the glory of God, he will be changed. I think that's our problem. We think that these activities will change us. No, it's seeing the glory of God. So it's called the Lord, the Ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts. Don't seek God for help. Of course, seek God for help to, leave you, to help you live a more godly and life that serves Him. Yes, of course, seek God for that. You're seeking God in that sense. But don't seek God to deliver you out of problems. Seek God because of His glory. Right? Is it real in your life? Or all your Christian life has been just, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that, I've kept up with appearances, form of godliness. Now then the last one, it says this, which dwelleth between the cherubims, which dwelleth between the cherubims. Now I said just now, the cherubims, the holy creatures of God in heaven that dwells in His presence, reminds us of the holiness of God. Now, but their extended arm facing one another there symbolizes their ever-readiness, ever-readiness to serve God, to do His will. They exist. They exist for one thing only, to sing praises and glory to Him and to serve Him. They will immediately do His bidding, given wings to fly really fast, go do, quickly, do, get it done. In other words, well, Christianity is not just a symbol of I've done this, I've done that, I, me and my family, we are fine. The, cherub, the, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts which dwell between the cherubims 
Now it's remind us that the presence of God which you seek is so that you can serve Him better. That is what it is for. The children of Israel say, hurry up, run, go back, get the rabbit's foot. You know the rabbit's foot? A lot of people, they, they have this superstition, they trust in rabbit's foot or horseshoe or something, whatever it is. Hurry up, go get the rabbit's foot and come in and rabbit's foot will help us. Help us. That's all they care about us. Deliver us. The cherubims are supposed to remind Israel, just like the created angels, they are God's created creatures and they exist for only one thing, to do God's will, God's bidding quickly in life. Not the opposite. God, you are my genie in a box. I bring you around. When I need you, I take it out of the box. You better help me. It's the opposite. Opposite. Our thoughts, I said in the beginning, our thoughts, our concept about God, about why we approach God, why we do anything, is number one, to have true engagement with God. Remember that. And here, number two, to, to see the glory of God and exalt Him. Number three, to serve Him. That is why you do anything. Please, I repeat again. Repeat, don't need to say again, right? I say repeat again. I repeat again. Don't do anything. Like your family worship. Don't do your family worship without these three things. Don't do your family worship and think that I've done family worship and things and God should be with us. When it's not real, no genuineness, no sincerity, your children see through you. Please know that. When your life is not genuine, when your life is like the children of Israel, they will learn it from you and they will do worse. When we do anything, remember what was in the ark. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. That's why it's called the Ark of the Covenant. The, the Ten Commandments is also called the Word of the Covenant. Everything must be guided, ruled by God's commandments. Not just to obey it. That's why it's called the Ark of the Covenant. It's always about your relationship and your fellowship with God. And I say again, please do not do your quiet time your Bible studies, your service at nursing home, your family worship, all these things. Don't do it because you think when you do it, God will help you, God will be close to you, God will help your family, and God will help you for the day. Remember why it is called the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, which dwell between the cherubims, so that you will become close with your God. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. Closing hymn 380, close to thee. Is that why you do anything religious close to thee? To draw yourself close to God. 380, we shall sing 380.